Yes. Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. I'm excited to talk about the business of football with my guest today, Mr. Keith Jackson. From 1988 through 1996, Mr. Jackson played professional football as the tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles, Miami Dolphins, and Green Bay Packers. Mr. Keith Jackson finished his career with 441 receptions for 5,283 yards and 49 touchdowns. Divide his receptions by his eight-year career, and you get over 50 regular season. That seems like a lot to me, although I'm not sure. Yeah, well, yep. they're catching more than 100 now. Is that right? <laughs> well, some guys. Many of you may remember Mr. Jackson as the color commentary for Arkansas Razorback football. Did you recognize that voice? Though Keith is known for by many as an award-winning football player, he is known by the kids in southwest Little Rock, Arkansas, as a savior. In 1992, Keith paid his good fortune, faith, and experience forward by founding PARC, an acronym for Positive Atmosphere Reaches Kids, a nonprofit organization and an outreach program for inner-city youths in Little Rock, Arkansas. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table the talented, faith-filled, and generous retired professional NFL athlete, Mr. Keith Jackson. That's a long list of words to explain who I am, but I sure do appreciate it, though. You That's, are a lot. Uh, I mean, can you read that again? Long, faith-filled, that was pretty good. Long, talented, faith-filled, and generous, retired, professional NFL athlete, Mr. Keith Jackson. See, I like that. I like that. I like that. That's great. <laughs> Many people listening to the show want to talk about the business of football today yeah. versus the business of football when you played like head injuries and salaries and social issues. But before we do any of that, mm-hmm. let's talk about your college football career. It was spectacular. Many young men dream of a career such as yours. Did you always know you wanted to play football professionally? Well, I did. You know, as a as a little kid, you walk around your neighborhood and try to stay out of trouble and you dream about the day of doing something big. You know, some people may want to run a business and some people may want to become a uh, an artist or a singer. I actually want to be a football player. And so I would walk around with an old football, throwing it up in the air, imagine myself catching that big pass on that that day that you need the last second of the game. Quarterback throws you the ball. You've got to come up with a big play, and the crowd goes wild. I mean, yeah, you can go back to probably about six years old, me trying to do that, and just working from that point on, trying to get to the NFL. You're so lucky that you had a passion at an early age. But for someone who has a passion for football, you went to high school. At not really a football school. Uh, Parkview is an arts and science school. Yeah, you know, back in those days, <laughs> I tell people I go to Parkview. I, I was I was a cello playing football player, so that's you know right. that's right. I played the cello. So uh, to be at Parkview, and and my mother was big on academics, and and she was big on music, and so all all her kids played instruments. My sister played the piano, my brother played the violin, and I played the cello. And she felt there was a study that came out that said that kids who who play instruments learn faster, and so she was making sure that we learned as fast as we could. 
and all the football stuff I had to figure out on my own. She didn't know much about football. She didn't care about that. Well, she did. She act like she didn't care. Along with my grandmother, they were both the same. But once I got older and started talking to their friends, their friends would say, your mother and grandmother used to call us, tell you got to watch the game. The game's coming on. You got to watch Keith. So they faked it around us, tried to act, make me believe that, you know, they wasn't watching the game, but they were really watching. Was your mother a school teacher? My mother's nurse. She worked oh. at Baptist Health for 29 years. And, so education was important to yeah, her. Yeah, she worked her way up to become a nurse, a single parent mom who was out there. And she realized that education was important to get her where she was, where she could take us out of mm-hmm. the inner city where we grew up and into a nice little Did you grow up area. in Southwest Little Rock? No, I grew up, actually grew up, I grew up uh, in Elbow off Chester and then High Street. So oh, I was downtown all in Little Rock. South. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's the area I grew up in. You had an unbelievable college career, but not for the Arkansas Razorbacks, which I think people that don't know, you'd be surprised to know that. Instead, you were a Sooner. Right. And you played for the University of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Why have, not the Razorbacks? Well, you know, I get that question. I still get that question. You know how long sure. ago it's been? It's been about 30, 35, almost. 87, so, yeah, I think. A long 1985 time ago. to 87 or something you a played? A long time ago, <laughs> and I still get that question. You know, it's really interesting because as a 19-year-old kid, I was turning 19, you you have all these choices in front of you, these different schools, people telling you different things, pulling on you. Recruiting is tough. It's not only tough on you, but it's tough on your family because you have everybody walking in the door and promising you the world, and you got to filter through that information. And when I filtered through all the information, I thought that the uh, you know, of course, uh, I mean, the Razorbacks were were one of the teams I grew up watching. But here's Lou Holtz; he's leaving out the door, and Hatfield oh. is coming in. So that they haven't established that this is the first year of that happening. Um, the consistency of Barry Switzer over and his ability to recruit was one of them. But the idea that they had just signed this quarterback out of Henrietta, Oklahoma, and had Matt Brown, who became the Texas coach and now is at North Carolina's office coordinator, and as well as, you know, you got to see people like uh, 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 Mark Dupree, who was that running back. I mean, some great stories of guys you thought you could play with, Spencer Tillman. So having Troy Aikman was a big deal to me. I mean, you know, when you're a receiver, you want a quarterback that can get you the ball. And having the number one quarterback in the nation in Troy Aikman out of Oklahoma, going to Oklahoma, it was big on my decision-making. Did your parents help you with that decision, or were you just out there with a piece of paper writing it down and going by your emotions? Or was your mother going, no, no, go do this? Barry Swisser calls my mother the toughest woman he's ever met because she had to endure the hardship of me going to Oklahoma. Now, at the time, of course, I told you I'm 18 turning 19. I really don't understand the magnitude of being like one of the top players in the country, you know, ranked. And I don't understand the magnitude of being a parade All-American and how small Arkansas is when it comes to having that kind of talent. I just think that I'm a player that want to go play at the place I want to play. She full well understand the whole view, and she stood up for me and fought for me to go to Oklahoma in spite of the fact that she could have lost her job or just some other things bad would have happened. Lost her job because her son didn't play for the Razorbacks? A lot of threatenings. A lot of threatenings. I don't – let me tell you something. I – I I I I know the whole whole staff, the upper staff. As a matter of fact, I serve as a board member of Baptist Health. There's no way Baptist Health would do anything like that. They are very good way to Christian cover. people way to cover. at Baptist Health. But it was this thought process of the outside of people scaring, and then the fact that you know you got rats in your mailbox. We got our house no. toilet paper. Oh yeah, it was it was a bad ordeal, and she just endured it all and 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 supported me 100. percent How can you be such a draft? by all these colleges wanting you when you played for Parkview. Who even looks at Parkview for football? <laughs> Parkview was pretty good back in those days. Now, when we were thinking about modern day, Parkview has oh. actually changed a little bit. But back in the late 70s and the early 80s, 
Parkview was a powerhouse. I mean, people like uh, you think of George Stewart, who was a great offensive lineman, and Daryl Mason. And I mean, they they sent several players to the University of Arkansas. They would, in those days, Central High School would send a group of players up, and Hall High would send a couple, and Parkview would send several. And so that was the core and the nucleus of what would build the Razorback football team. And then they bring these guys in from Texas and other places right. to join them. Uh, so Parkview was sending just as many kids up to play at the University of Arkansas at that time as any other school. So they were pretty good in the late 70s and early 80s. So there's not a lot of kids play, being recruited today because not a lot of kids want to play football anymore after all the bad I don't think press. so. I, I, I don't think so. I think that the NFL is taking their lumps. When you look at um, concussions, concussions, right. that's what we're talking about, mainly concussions, parents are saying, hey, I don't want my kids to play football because of concussions. And the NFL realized that. They're taking their lunk. There they're, they're, they're are less amount of people who are playing the sport. But right. what they're doing on the other side of there, they're, they're building better helmets and they're putting in better uh, rules to try to protect the players so they're not going to have this physical, uh, physical side of the game that later on they'll be having concussion issues. Now, will concussion still happen? Yeah, because it's a tough game. But they're limiting that. They're creating those rules to limit that. The question I always ask people is this. If you have, and I know what an energetic young man I was, and I have the hours between after school and 8 o'clock to do whatever I want to, is that going to cause more problems than the concussions down the line? Absolutely. No, I've never thought of no that. You're right all. on. You're going to have more deaths. You're going to have more more incidents, incidents. Than, than you it would say incidents than you would if you keep them on the field. I think people think it, we t- we make knee jerk reaction everything. I have three kids uh-huh. and they all play college football. I've got a grandson that's that that's just this beautiful thing. He will play football. The rules are becoming that they're protecting him. He and if he wants to play football, he'll play football because I know what kids can do. By running a program when they're not doing those latchkey hours. That's you do. <laughs> we, we are going to talk about your program park yeah. and what you do for after school kids. And boy, if anybody can speak to that, you just spoke to it. Yeah. Let's talk about. Let's go back and talk about before we jump into all of that. Let's talk about you win the national championship for Oklahoma. You caught the winning or a winning. There were two touchdowns. Yeah, big touchdown. Which is the winning touchdown? No, it was a big touchdown. It was a big touchdown. We kicked field goals. Other than that, two two touchdowns. It was a very important part of the game. People say, "What is one of the most important plays that you've ever made?" It was a seventy three yard touchdown. Uh, against Penn State, the game was on the line. It was it, they would score. We played defense. We scored. They played defense, and it was a really close game up until the point of this big play that takes over the game. And I remember the the uh, the, the commentator at the time said, "Home run ball, the tight end Keith Jackson. He's out and open to catch the ball, and then the rest is a touchdown." And and so seventy three yards later, I scored his big touchdown. Our defense shut him down. We kicked several field goals, and then my old roommate Lydell Carr goes for a touchdown too. And so we ended up winning the game twenty five to actually uh, to ten. I think the score was and first national championship in a long time for Barry Switzer uh, added to him. And the reason why I went to Oklahoma was to be able to compete and to play for a national championship. And uh, and to be able to win one. Well, you lived your dream. I did. I did. Actually, we played for the national championship three times. We just won one. Oh. We had a chance to win three of them. So how'd you get the name Boomer Sooner? You know, what's really interesting is is that it, I, I, I've seen that written places. The, the, the Sooner crew have been yelling Boomer Sooner for quite some time. I, I think that, you know, there's just some times that I've scored some touchdown and they start yelling it and then it kind of became synonymous with my name. But. 
But uh, you know, whether it's Sooner Magic or Boomer Sooner, I just I just love the fact of being a part of OU football and having a great career. It's over all there. about team playing, isn't it? It is. It you really know, is. Um, I don't for everybody that's just listening. You played for University of Oklahoma, and they are Sooners because people mm-hmm. are like, "What does Sooner mean?" Boomer Sooner. They right. are Sooners. They are Sooners. And you all won the nineteen. Was it eighty five or eighty six that you won? And then you played in the Orange Bowl. Right. That's so that, that was the championship. Yeah. So eighty five was the season we played the game in eighty six for the national championship and beat Penn State and 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 won it and. Uh, Boy, that was just a, it was just an exciting time. Every kid grows up and they want to win championships. I mean, that's just what no sense in playing the game unless you're going to win some championships. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able to play at every level and uh, and and play for the championship at every level. Uh, the one the one that got away was high school. Still want to go back to Parkview. We lost the South Side in the championship game. Didn't have our quarterback. Yes, I'm making excuses after so many years. <laughs> if our quarterback would have played and wouldn't have been hurt, I'm not going to say his name on the radio to that get him in trouble. That does make a difference, We would have won that game by 30 points. It I wouldn't mean, have been close. Can't help it. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Boomer Sooner, Mr. Keith Jackson, retired NFL tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles, Miami Dolphins, and Green Bay Packers. We'll follow along in Mr. Jackson's illustrious life story as a professional football player at the end of the show we'll talk about his current accomplishments at park his nonprofit that helps inner city and at-risk children of little rock arkansas stay tuned much more to come you're listening to up in your business with carrie mccoy a production of flagandbanner.com over 40 years ago with only 400 dollars carrie founded arkansas flag and banner during the last four decades the business has grown and changed starting from door-to-door sales then telemarketing to mail order and catalog sales. And now, flagandbanner.com relies heavily on the internet and live chats with customers all over the world. Over this time, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge has grown. As early as 2004, she began sharing her knowledge in her weekly blog. In 2009, she founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom and in 2014, Brave Magazine, a biannual publication. Today, she has branched out into podcasts, Facebook live stream, and YouTube videos of this radio show. Each week, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. Stay up to date by joining FlagandBanner.com's mailing list. You'll receive our Water Cooler Weekly e-blast that notifies you of our upcoming guests, happenings at Dreamland Ballroom, sales at FlagandBanner.com, access to Brave Magazine articles, and Carrie's current blog post. All that in one weekly email. Or you may simply like FlagandBanner.com's Facebook page for timely notifications. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. The FlagandBanner.com. Now back to Kerry McCoy's interview with Keith Jackson. Second down and seven. Here goes Keith Jackson, the tight end, on a reverse. Gets a block on the corner and breaks into the open. It's now a foot race. He's got an open field in front of him. He's running out of gas. He scores! 88 yards. Watch the fake and the fake to the fullback to the left. And all the time, the offensive linemen are going to go around and form a wall of blockers. Now when we pick up Jackson again, watch the red shirts over here. They've got outside position, and they set up the wall, letting Jackson, number 88, go right down the boundary. Good blocking. The timing was perfect. I don't ever remember seeing a surprise play work 
so beautifully this early in the football game. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with the NFL retired tight end, Mr. Keith Jackson, and founder of the nonprofit Park in southwest Little Rock, Arkansas. Before the break, we talked about Keith's career at University of Oklahoma, championships, competing, you know, it's a good life, a boy's dream. He's lucky that he always knew he wanted to play football, and he got to live that dream. It's a great story. Tell us about the day you got drafted by the Philadelphia Eagle. First of all, did you only go to three years of college? Uh, I graduated in three and a half years. I so those I, years I, yeah, I just graduated. Up. I graduated early. I, 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 I had a philosophy that I didn't like school that much, so I said, graduate early. <laughs> How can you do that and have all that stuff that you're doing? It's really interesting now. Are you real smart? Well, I wouldn't say that. My, What's I, your degree? I've worked hard. Communications. Actually, oh, communication. But I, he's so good on the radio. But I worked harder than everybody else. I mean, I, my whole thing is I'm going to work hard and I'm going to get finished. And, and I was very competitive. Uh, my mother's a key to my life. I mean, there's no question. The mere fact that she told me I couldn't play football unless I made good grades. It, it made me realize how smart I was. <laughs> At first, I was just acting around, making decent grades. She goes, no more football unless I see good grades. And then that just changed everything for me. And then I started getting, having good grades, get pat on the back for good grades, positive uh, affirmations. And then I started saying, hmm, okay. I'm, everybody's patting me on the back for being a good football player. Now they're patting me on the back for being a good student. And so I want to be an All-American academically, and I want to be an All-American athletically, and I achieved that at Oklahoma also, too. So so to graduate in three and a half years and be an All-American was something I shoot I was shooting for and, and wanted to be one of those individuals that could be able to say, you know, I was a total, a whole kid at the University of Oklahoma. They, uh, I think it was in 2012, I'm not sure, they awarded you the player of the university of oklahoma awarded you the player of the century yeah. <laughs> I gotta the century carrie i gotta tell you a funny story so i called barry switzer up because i don't hear about it till a month later so i called coach switzer up i said coach i heard i won uh the office of player of the century and he said yeah who did you pay off to get that done? I had Joe Washington. I had he went through Billy Sims, and I had Greg Pruitt, and I had J.C. Watt. He went through all these players that he thought was a little bit better than I was. And I said, "I love you too, Coach." And he just started laughing, you know. But but it was one of those deals. There was a lot of great talent. When you look at Oklahoma, but it may have been the whole package. You made good grades along oh, with. True. That's true. It, you know, it may not have just been the scores or or the statistics. It that's may true. have been the whole package. Well, it does pay off if you if you if you if you really participate wholly in in athletics. All right, and, let's and talk academics. about the day you got drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, okay. right? Yes. What number? Uh, thirteen. That's pretty first damn round thirteen pick. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, it's really interesting. The money's changed since then. I was, we were going to talk about <laughs> okay. that. What about but it was that exciting. money? It was an exciting time. I'll tell you one thing about it. It's, it, it, it. When I got drafted, I heard somebody say, we rich. And I was like, are we French? You know, with the we side of that thing? I don't know. But <laughs> but I don't, but it's, uh, it was exciting. It's just something that you always want to do as a kid. And you and, and playing uh, at Oklahoma and making plays in the big games against Texas and against Nebraska and against Miami. I knew I was as good as any of the kids out there, so I knew I'd get drafted. I didn't know exactly when and where I was going to get drafted. So getting drafted by Philadelphia in the first round, 13 pick, that was the highest of a tight end it had been at that time. And it was exciting. It really was exciting. Were they a good team at that time? Uh, Philadelphia had a great defense, mm-hmm. and they were really they were really the upper one of the upper level teams. Mm-hmm. Still needed to take one more step to get to the Super Bowl or get to the playoffs, but they were getting there very fast. Had some great players. What was the most glaring difference between playing college ball and playing pro ball? 
everybody's good in pro football. I mean, just everybody. Nobody. I mean, there's no, 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 nobody who doesn't have talent. When you're out there, you're playing against some of the best in the world at at all times. And so, in order to make plays, you've got to be pretty good to make those plays. In 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 college, you'll have a guy who's not as good. He's he's a position guy. He's out there to try to help his team win, but they're putting him in the right position to do that. In the NFL, they expose that. You got to be good at every position, or they will come after you. And so, it was so surprising how fast the linebackers were, how big and fast the defensive linemen were. I mean, every position was just physical, fast. I mean, just athletic. So you're six three. Yeah. Would you be big enough now? Yeah, still, yeah, 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 still the same. I mean, you know, tight ends hadn't changed much in size. They do have bigger blocking tight ends, but really, the the tight ends that are really taking the, the world by storm. You take Hunter Henry, who's from here, who, right. who who's great. Hunter's about about six three, six four, about two hundred and forty five, two fifty. He's not going to let you. himself get big. You're right. He's not going to let himself get big because he wants to be able to run against those little small defensive backs that are chasing him and have a chance to catch passes against him. So you have some guys like Gronkowski, who is who. Uh, uh-huh. Who's like two sixty five and can run, but most tight ends are are, are around two fifty. Yeah. Uh, so you were at the Eagles from eighty eight to ninety one. Why did you leave, or did you get traded, or what? No, I fought for free agency. That was a great deal. One of my friends came to me and said, "Every time they talk about free you agency, they for talk for you." Yeah, I did. Oh, I did. fought for you. I was one of the. Matter of fact, the case was called the Jackson Five. Believe it or not, yeah. really? <laughs> so it was me and, and and four of the guys, and we fought for free agency. We were four year guys, and there was a debate going on with the NFL and the NFL Players Association about five year guys getting. Uh, five-year players getting uh, uh, free agency, uh, so we were kind of caught in the middle. But but I mean, I just said, oh, I will, I'll be willing to use my name to fight for this. I thought it was unfair it was. that a owner could tell me. This is all you're going to get. I don't care how well you play and what good player. I can't test the market to see how much money I can make. And that's it. And you either play or don't play. I mean, I just didn't think that was fair. And and I, I was a good enough player at the time <laughs> that I could actually say, okay, well, we're going to see how this works. And I was willing to take the chance. So what did happen? Well, what happened is the judge uh, judge gave us five days or something like that to find a team or a week to find a team and uh and the miami dolphins call why were you wanting to leave the eagles well i didn't for, want to leave. for for increase in pay yeah i didn't want to leave the eagles but i didn't think it was fair for someone to put me in a box so right. literally i mean i'm here i am i'm an all pro almost every year i'm there uh and then i hold out uh, and i didn't make it that year but i'm there and the owner tells me you're a tight end so you fit in this category and this is all the money you got I, and all the books that were being written and talked about, I was the big big play player, even though I was at a position that didn't make a lot of money. Oh, I see. And so I'm going, well, this is not fair, and it's not fair for me, and it's not fair for you. And I just felt like sometimes, you know, you've got to be the one who, who shoulders some of the some of the weight, you know. Yeah. If not me, who? If not you now, be a, you're when? You're a leader. You're yeah, a leader. Yeah. And so, so I, was, I was willing to take that chance. Uh, so you left and you went to the Miami Dolphins, yes. right? Right. I had a great career at the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins call. I go down there. I get a chance to play with the great Dan Marino. Oh, wow. A great story about faith is this, is that I was sitting there and I was watching TV with my agent in Malibu. And Miami's playing against Seattle. And they're in Seattle. And Dan Marino gets knocked out. First concussion. He, and he goes to the sideline. They don't take his helmet. He comes back in the game. He throws a touchdown. And he doesn't know he threw the touchdown. And I looked at my agent. And I said, I want to play with Dan Marino. The next day they call. Oh, I, I, I'm I'm so with you. If we could high five, we'd high five I know. right now. The next day they called. Not only that, I told my agent how much money I thought I was worth a year. Got the it. next day they offered that amount without us talking to him. 
That's 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 some that's some faith believing God mm-hmm. stuff right there, and it worked, and it was, Power it, was so, it is it was so it was so exciting to be able to see that at work, uh-huh. you know. You, you know, anyway. So uh, you worked you were there two years, ninety two to ninety four. Was three years, three years, ninety two, ninety three, and ninety four. Yeah. Oh, three years, yeah, right? Uh-huh. So what is there something that happened that made you decide to so, go to the Green Bay Packers? <laughs> I love Don Shula. You know, his wife Mary Ann is from here in Arkansas, and I love them both. But I, Coach Shula said every player who plays on his team, can't go home. He said, you've got to work out. At that time, players used to go home and come back during all season. Uh-huh. And, and the Dallas Cowboys uh, were having very much success. They won some Super Bowl because they never let their players go home. They made them stay there all year was round and Emmett? work out. Was that That's Emmett Emmett's in time? that group. Yep, mm-hmm. it sure was. Coach Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, and he was the coach at the time. And so Boy, Co- play Coach Shula... I would have watched a lot more. <laughs> you watched a lot more. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? When you get drafted by the Eagle, you learn how to not like the Cowboys pretty quickly. But oh, but okay. I love Jerry Jones. I always mm-hmm. tell Jerry that I hug him. I love him. I love mm-hmm. Steven. I love Jerry Jr. I love, I love Charlotte. I love the family. They've done a great Right job. there across the bridge in North Florida Rock they're from. And, I, and so I do love him. I just... No, I just can't find myself cheering for the Cowboys because I'm an Eagle. You know, it's Even just, it's today, tough. who do you root for when you watch football? If you I, play for three teams, who do you root for? I root, I root for the teams I played for. Always. And if they play against the other, I root for the team that wins. When, <laughs> when Razorbacks are playing Oklahoma, who do you root for? Oh, that's a question I better not answer. My son still plays for the team. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I better not answer that phone. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the one that thing. That means it's Oklahoma. <laughs> the one thing I, well, the, the, the coach that coached up there, coaching up there now will coached at Oklahoma, too. When I first oh. met Sam Pittman, he was an offensive line coach at Oklahoma. So he's been there, too. I, I really, I tell you what, I've enjoyed my time at Oklahoma. I, I, I am so fortunate that I have two teams that I can root for. Uh, that's fun. And, and, it, and it was... There's always someone playing. That's right. <laughs> so why'd you leave the Green Bay Packers? Uh, so I retired. So I go to the Green Bay Packers. I actually, I get traded to the Green Bay Packers because I didn't, oh, I, I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't oh. want to come through the all, all season. I said, "Hey, I, I've got this thing, this vision that God has given me called Park." So that happened while you were at the Miami Dolphins. Well, I started it. I started building it up at, at Philadelphia. I get to Miami and I'm really in raising money with Walter Hussman. He's helped me out at the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, so I'm flying home a lot. I'm having meetings, and we're we're actually having these off season or these these things during the off season while I'm still playing to raise money. And so it's, it was one of those things where I go, I either listen to the coach or I listen to God. I said, coach, I can't come during the off season. He said, well, I'm going to trade you. And he did. He traded me green Bay. Best thing that ever happened to me. And it went to win a Super Bowl at green Bay Packers. <laughs> I actually had an opportunity of getting traded to green Bay, meeting up with my old good friend, Reggie white, who was, who was an anchor in my life. And so we got a chance to play two more years together. And Did you say they won the Super Bowl. The when year I was there. there, two years. Yeah. There one year I was there. We won the Super Bowl 96. So you are just on the winning team everywhere you go. Well, you know, I, you know, sometimes you think you're going to the desert, uh-huh. but when you get there, you realize there's something there for you. And so nobody ever wanted to go to Green Bay because it was so cold. It was a place nobody wanted to go. Um, when you look at guys like uh, Mike Holgram and uh, uh, who 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 was the head coach, as well as uh, Ron Wolf, who was the general um, the general manager, Reggie White and and Brett Favre, and all they changed that place where players want to go and play at Green Bay. Well, isn't it the first football team ever or something Well, like they, that? Won, they won like the first championships. They, yeah, they won like world championships. They had a guy named Lombardi who was a pretty there, good coach. There. Yeah, Lombardi got, came along in the 60s and made him a good team. You talking about Vince Lombardi? Vince Lombardi. You were guys like uh, Bart Starr and – 
and uh, all those good guys. They they had some pretty good players. Well, I can't believe you didn't want to go there, but it is No, cold. I went there for two years. I know, but I can't oh, yeah. believe you were kind of no, like, No, nobody, nobody wants to go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know when you an African-American, it says uh-huh. a lot, right? You, you don't like cold weather. No, I just did don't. not like cold weather. Yeah. I, Miami like, was my place. Is there anything you would have done different? No. When you look back through all of that career? No. No, I don't think so. I think that even the bad stuff happened for a, for a reason. I, uh, I I love it when Apostle Paul said, I, I, you know, I rejoice in tribulation because tribulation creates patience and patient experience and experience hope and hope maketh us not ashamed. I think that all those stuff, the bad things that happened, the being traded, the, you know, the, the, the bad games, the drop passes, I think it all works together for some good in your life. It just teaches you something and it makes you a whole you person. It does. It teaches you yeah. something. Every Everyone asked me to ask you about the game today. How does it compare now from when you played things like what is better? What do you think is better? Like I think you just said safety is better. Uh, but they've been, they have enacted changes that you may not like or you may not. Do they hit as hard now? You know, we, we the old players never like the new stuff. That's just the way it is. No, you can't find an old player that says, oh, I love what they're doing now. We call it modified seven on seven that you tackle every now and then, which means basically seven on seven is when you play without a helmet and shoulder pads and nobody tackles anybody. So we just call it modified seven on seven. But we understand the importance of making the game safe. And we want the game to be safe because we want our kids and our grandkids to play. But all the old players complain in front of everybody going, oh, if the game was safe like this, I'd have played. 10 years or 20 years, you know. Well, you, some of the guys are, are these playing days. 20 years. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. It's just not the same physical game. But guys are faster and guys are bigger and there's more money to be made. So it's it's really been interesting, the change of, of how physical the game is. The game is still physical. It's just they protect players from getting those knockout hits. And, so and, I saw and, this, this, this – I wasn't going to ask you this question, but you made me think about this. I saw this guy on 60 Minutes who's who's had a concussion and he's he's – coming and going but he said he used to get in the dog piles and he used to reach down and find fingers and break them you know this is so that was before me so the game <laughs> there was there, there's always been these guys who've been tough in the piles and there's these stories about you get hit and poked in the eye and fingers bitten I've, I've been in the pile before but i think there came a time around the time i got there where people start realizing these people are trying to make money and go home with their families and you saw a change in play back in the 70s when you saw the Raiders and, 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 and Cleveland Brown, the mistake by the lake and the dog pound. And I mean, those those things you had those you had the purple people eaters, the steel curtains. And I mean, they would just knock you out. They would try to take you out. That's just the way it was. It was a physical football game. And then it became more business. Yeah. And so they said, we, you know, Joe Namath get his leg broken. They said, OK, we got to start protecting players. And so that's why when you look at the fact that you see somebody like a Tom Brady who playing 20 years, how could he yeah. last that long and stay healthy? The football, the co- the quarterbacks are protected a lot more than they used to be. And so you can tackle them, but they are very well protected. And it's better for the game. And so the players start realizing this themselves. So they start making deals. Hey, man, we're not going to go after each other. They we're not going to try to hurt each mm-hmm. other. And what we're going to try to do is make sure we get through this game. We're going to play physical because we've got to keep our job. But we're not going to intentionally try to hurt guys. Do you think the targeting rule of ejecting you after from, for targeting is too strict? 
I think that, uh, yes, I think it is too strict. I think that uh, some people don't look like they mean to. Well, I think that what you have to do is say is if it's an intentional or if it's a non-intentional. I hope they go back and look at that rule and say after two, if you had two in a game, you get you get kicked out. I mean, you start thinking about the national championship game when you had Clemson versus LSU. Clemson's middle linebacker is one of the best players in the country. I mean, he's as good as any other middle linebacker. And when he leaves the game, the game's over. I mean, I think LSU still wins that game, but I think it's harder when they had the linebacker. But because of a targeting call, he's gone. I know. And so even that if you do, seem right. even if you do two targeting in the playoffs, so players stay longer. I mean, so basically during the season, one targeting you out for a half. That's the rule. You you out and for a whole half and then the come game. back. Right. That's what I'm saying. You get oh. out for a half. Whatever that half is, you got you out for oh, a half. So so but it I think that when you start saying you it's so detrimental that one of your key player who didn't try to target somebody get called for targeting and gone, the game's over. And is it, is, the, is, the, is football ever crooked? No, not that I know of. You know, there's all hard. It's hard to point shade. Gate yeah, and all that stuff. Well, oh, yo, yo, yeah. They, they're trying to get every angle they can to win. Whether it's reading pitching signs mm-hmm. or or looking and trying to read people. That's why guys when they when they're sending the play in, they put the playbook mm-hmm. over their mouth so you can't can't read their lips. No so lip readers. They'll find some lip readers. Hey, whatever it takes <laughs> to get an angle to win the game. It's some, a lot of money. Gray. Some people would do. They want to win because if you don't win, you lose your job. You lose your job. You don't make money. So they're gonna get every edge they can and so you would you like to play today love to play today let me explain this out so there's a tight end that 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 just played for the atlanta falcons in any way i mean pretty good player not a bad player just went to the cleveland brown for 44 million dollars a four-year deal for 44 million dollars now at the max my best contract i made 1.6 Oh, just think what you could do for the kids at Park. Oh, if I made more money, you could make more money. You could do more things. And so because of the money, I love to play. But not only that, because of the longevity of career, the fact that they're protecting players so players can play longer. You have two sons. Is one of them still playing in the NFL? No, no, no. One played. He's done. I have one that's a senior. Yeah, he's got drafted by uh, St. Louis and played a couple years and then went to San Diego and played a year. And now he's done. Keith Jr. Uh, Kenyon was a senior this year at at, uh, University of Illinois. Had a great great career under Lovey Smith, who was the head coach up there. They And then Colin's a red shirt junior at the University of Arkansas. Well, I'm going to watch him. Yeah, he's pretty good. I didn't know good. that. What's yeah. his name? No, Colin Jackson. I'm going to watch yeah, for him. Three. What's he, what position is he He's a wide receiver. He plays oh, wide receiver. He yeah, he catches the ball down the field. And run. So he's fast. Yeah, he's fast. He's fast. I, w- I would love to race him at the same age, though. We talk about that all the time. I go, if I was your age and we race, I think I'd beat you. Competitive to the <laughs> day he, he weighs 200 and about 10. I weigh 245. What do you think about the social statements that they're making at the football game? Like, uh, like who was that? Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick. took a knee during the right. national anthem. Should social influence be a part of football? Social influence has always been a part of sports. It really has it's been. always been a part. And it always be. You know, I remember being, uh, I, I remember just seeing the, the two guys at the Olympics uh, holding up the black fist saying that, you know, that's it, right. It, it, it's it was a stage and an opportunity to say that we've been treated wrong, and 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 I'm I'm at a point where I can magnify that. I think that you got to be really careful how you do it, right? I think that um, well, his was a silent protest, yeah. which I thought was if you're going to protest, I thought it was nice because he was silent. He, for people that don't know, right, took a knee. He took a knee during right, the during national, national anthem, anthem. And, there, and there's still some people who take seats during the national anthem. I think that to some people, when you look at Kaepernick, he's a guy who just was bringing out information and letting the world know, hey, here's what's happening. 
with our with the police force that's in happening. Our community community. So we, that want, you may not we know. want to bring out attention. This is my way of doing it. You know, America takes that flag. Seriously. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. Oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. A place like Flag and Banner, they probably bought more flags during that time. But America takes I that flag seriously. I did sell a serious. lot of flags when that was going and, and on. And so the thing about it, and I do too. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm a guy who says, I love the fact that, that a player has that much control, whether it's LeBron James or Colin Kaepernick, how they use that. Is is different, you know, mm-hmm. and and so you got to be very careful how you use it because it did it, it cost it, him it his away. did it cost him his career? I don't know. He actually hadn't played again. Oh, so but, it did. But he hadn't played again. Uh, he's trying. He tried to get on a team. Uh, you know, Kaepernick played had a great season well, uh, out of San Francisco. They when they, they they made it all the way up to the end. I mean, he played great. Yeah. But then the the rules changed a little bit, and he wasn't as successful. So you know, the question is. Should he get an opportunity to play again or not? That's up for the team to, to, for the, to make decisions. Yeah, that's for yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what do you think about college athletes should receive pay endorsements? <laughs> I, I actually believe that all college athletes should receive pay. I don't think it should be from an endorsement situation. But I, I am smart enough to realize the issue is there's just not enough money to go around, and uh, Title Nine is not going to allow that to happen for every athlete to get paid. Uh, and, and, What's Title Nine? So basically, you know, when you so the female side gets everything the male side get. So so even though there's not as many people going to see some of the female sports, they still get the same thing. So if you decide to play a player over here, something you got to pay. Uh, um, they don't sell the seat, you, they don't sell the ticket sales. Right, but still, you got to everything is equal. equal. Everything has to be equal, and that's good. We need For to be college. forced. Uh-huh. We need to be forced to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I I love the fact of doing that. My philosophy was, and, and and nobody's asked me, but I've had this conversation: is a needs basis, not by the fact you play a sport, just by the fact you have needs. So whether I'm the girl on the track team or the guy on the track team, if I come from a situation where my parents don't make a certain amount of money, which they get that with Pell Grants and and different things at school, but I think there should be a little more emphasis put on that. Uh, uh, So I saw the athletic director, Hunter. I cannot say his last name. Your check. Thank you. Thank you, Keith Jackson. Uh, at a luncheon, and I saw him speak, and somebody in the crowd, when they did the Q&As, asked him that very question. He said he didn't have a problem if they wanted to get endorsements, but he said they cannot use the mascot. So how many of these kids, and I never thought of it like that, he said how many of these kids are going to want to go, how many uh, companies are going to want want to advertise with a kid who can't say i play for the razorbacks or where any of well, the mascots where, where, where is highway robbery is when you see a guy like zion williamson at duke university and i'm a duke fan and i go to duke games and and i'm sitting there going and i'm looking at every night duke university is on tv uh-huh. and 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 his following is huge i mean and, and they're selling a number one jersey and i started thinking to myself i mean here's a guy who should be participating in some financial way. Michael Jordan, when he played in college, he was so good that he changed the game. There are certain guys who change the college game where they're going to sh- they're going to show them on TV more. Everybody's going to be at the crowd. They're going to buy the jersey. But if they can't say from Duke, yeah, what well, don't make a difference. Nobody. I mean, Zion Williams. Oh, so has you so think that he I think should be able to sell Duke as and then get a he, cut of as it? Lo- as long as no, as long as he wears blue and white and he say I'm Zion Williams, he's in good shape. You th- oh, okay. I don't oh. think he doesn't have to. He, he doesn't have to wear the logo. That's the same thing. I mean, you know, it'd be like Sidney Moncrief back in the day. I mean, who don't know to Sidney Moncrief? 
is is a Razorback basketball player. I mean, literally, okay, they could have did a triplet sell cars. You know, I'm triplets. We're selling cars. We're the triplets. They're only wearing red and white. There's no. There is a way to get it done. Uh, I I just don't think that's fair for the other players. I just don't think it's fair for the because it is a team sport. It's a team sport. I mean, uh, I, I think I think that there's a situation where players know. Uh-huh. They look at a guy and go. He's really good. He's okay. the one. He, he's better than we are. I mean, he's you the just one. come to inclusion. And in and, 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 and that sense, he's making us money. He's giving us more time. And so he should, he deserves, should yeah, we're getting deserve more airtime because share. of him. Right. We're going to get to go to right. tournaments because right. of him and all that stuff. So, you know, speaking of a team sport, I love how the new basketball coach has all the coaches wearing the same color. Have you noticed that? I did not. I did not. But that's so good, though. Every time we play in a basketball game, all the coaches on the sideline are wearing the same shirt. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I like being uniform, and that's what it is. You know what's really great is that he understands the importance of of being a team player. And so after the game, he he actually will wear the logo shirts of some of the the investors or or, or whatever you call them. But he's he's been great. Muscleman has been great. Muscleman. Yeah, Eric Muscleman. He's been great. He's 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 you know he's, he's bringing only five, a lot six. of talent. He's not tall at all. I've been with him. <laughs> <laughs> I hung out with him. But I tell you what, he's tall when it comes to picking players. He's got a great recruiting well, it's class his coming wife in. Is the recruiter. Well, she, well, no, that means he's good. If you see his wife, you know he's a good recruiter. <laughs> 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 and she has family from Arkansas. Oh no! Yeah, kidding. she did. We had I had a chat with her, and she's talked about it over again. I want to say Magnolia, but I may be wrong. But well, but I, yes, yes. Well, from we've Arkansas. got to talk about Park before we get finished. Okay. I love talking to you, Keith. Uh, I want to tell everybody that you've been listening to Up in Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with the NFL retired tight end, Mr. Keith Jackson, and he's also the founder of the nonprofit Park. You said on Park's website. You had a vision from God about helping teenagers overcome the obstacles of violence and troubled lives, and that as you got older, eventually graduating from the University of Oklahoma and retiring from the National Football League, you were able to develop your vision of creating a place that will give kids hope, strong values, and confidence. Tell us about your vision. You started telling us a little bit about it and where this passion from this vision comes from. Well, the one thing about it is, is that I I actually go to sleep. There's there's a verse that talks about old men dream dreams and young men have visions, right? And so I go, well, I'm young at the time, so I'm going. This is a dream and not a vision, but but I mean, this is a vision, a vision. not a dream. And so I have this vision, uh, and it's clear. I think that God speaks to us through visions, and and and, and so um, describe a vision. So a vision is is when God shows you the end of something. And then he tells you to come back and create the beginning, just like he does. So you can see the end of all the kids being at park and all of them graduating and all of them going to college and all of them having uh, families and all of them having a nice house and driving nice cars and good jobs. You see the end of it. But then, in, you know, in 1995, you have to come back and start the beginning. So this is our 25th anniversary. So is that anniversary. what people mean when they say dream big? Well, dreaming is different now. Now, a dream is just something that you that a, a experience of one time that you know something big is going to happen in your life. A vision is takes a little while to carry out. So when I talk to young people and I say dream big as yeah. big as you can dream, dream as big as you can dream. But you're saying they're not really the same. Well, thing. the vision, the vision. The, so a, a dream to me is specifically is something that is for you. 
right? You're having these dreams or something that has occurred. A vision is more where you're leading people, where it's more people oriented. And, 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 you, and, you know, we may have a biblical scholar call us more and go, that's exactly wrong. But old men will dream dreams. So when you say old men dream dreams, they're at the end of their age. They're having dreams of what's happening right now, what needs to happen. Young men have vision because it's going to be a stretch of time. I like it. Well, okay. I didn't create it. It's in book. <laughs> well, you explain it well. I like it. So I have this vision of taking these kids who will struggle academically, who will probably be the kids that that will be the problems down the line. You bring them in from the seventh and eighth grade, rising eighth graders, and you keep them for five years. So you're able to create a holistic approach to change. All this is in the vision. I'm I'm not smart enough to figure this out. I'm a communication major at the University of Oklahoma. But this vision is so strong and so clear about taking these kids, attacking them, attacking their deficiencies, raising their GPAs, and helping them go to college. And, you know, when these kids started, you know, they thought a D meant doing good. They didn't know it meant something bad. And so... Over the years, and they thought the F the flag was important too. So, <laughs> so F for flag, F for D flag, for doing good. <laughs> for doing right. good. And, so, and so, over the years, what we've done is we've been able to attack those deficiencies and send, and send hundreds of kids off to college. And so, it's been really exciting. Uh, we almost had a hundred kids going to college, but but it's been really exciting to see that vision from the beginning of doing this deficiency attacking and then spirit, soul, and body. So this is a holistic approach to change. You know, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And when you complete all that and get rid of all the negativity around all that, you create a really strong change. I call them change agents. There are forces out there. They're the kids that I have that have jobs in the community. Is it mostly an after-school program? It is an after-school program. Is it a weekend program? Uh, No. No. It's only after school. after school. It's and only summertime. helping kids with. It's almost like tutors. Yeah, but have you have a lot of litters. facilities there. You have basketball, racquetball courts. You you know we're competing against the outside world, so we want to give them something just as good to do on the inside. I mean, we got and a how do theater. They get involved? How do they sign up? Do so they... basically, we we go through the counselors at the school, different school district, and we're looking for a kid who's struggling oh. academically. Has has a lower GPA, and we 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 go through them, and then we tell them to take their they take their stuff on their parents, they bring it back, and then we call the parents and say, "Here's what's the what number we do. one reason that they have a low GPA." Well, I want to say my program does a great job of changing it. I, I will say that just the 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 lack of awareness, the importance of education, structure in their home life. No, nah, some people, yeah, some people, I, you, you, some people, you'll say that, but I I think it's importance of understanding why it's important to have uh, education. So if you grew up where your family was a hardworking family, but they never talked about going to college. I gotcha. To you, even though you work hard, the parents work hard or the mother works hard and she goes to work every day and she puts food on the table, she's just not aware that this thing called and education. she can't hardly dedicate right. any time to you because right. she's working she's so hard. She's working so hard. So we become the second parent. And we bring them in, and we attack the deficiencies, and help and, them with their homework find you, and stuff. And you find these kids through your own outreach program that goes to the school and says, "I need, I know, I want some at-risk kids that you think we could." Help. So we've been great partners with the school district. Pax County Special School District, as well as Little Rock uh, Public School District, and so we've been very good partners with them, and and we've enjoyed that, and 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 we we say we change together because we still use them along the way. And so we're having conversation with the teachers and the counselors and all that along the way. So I'm just bowled over by your success and all the things you do and your vision. What do you see going to happen to Park from going forward? You're just going to keep doing the same, same, or are you going to grow it some more? Or how you, what's your, what's your next dream? Well, 
this year is uh, your vision. So we're in this year of vision. What's happening yet? And and I told I told my board members. I said um, my vision is is that we be better. We've been we've done a great job up this point. How do we become better for the next twenty five years? Passionate about it. Oh, I love going to work every day. Um, I just have a great board. You know, Walter Hussman been 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 the anchor of our board for many years. I've got so many other board members I can't name them all. But we sat down and we talked about how do we sustain this. The biggest issue we thought it would be financial, making sure we had enough money because I've got to replace myself with money. The whole idea of tutoring and after school care and making sure kids are turning their homework that's not hard to do. The finances were hard. So our board went on and raised a $10 million endowment. And, you know, we raised a $10 million endowment, which is about $12 million now. We take about 4% of it and we give it to the budget every year and the rest we invest. So you know, we do have a, a succession plan. There, there are people who've been working there for 20 years. But I think the finances was the hardest part. We took care of that. So we know Park is going to be around for a long time. The Donald W. Reynolds Foundation gave us a nice $5.2 million building to operate out of. We don't pay for a building. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're set for the future. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting around the house staring my fingers going, what's next? Let's get back to work. You go every day. I'm at Park every day that I'm not traveling to football games or headed out of town. Are you, uh, so are you still doing radio? No, 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 I'm not no. doing radio anymore. No, I, I gave that up because I had one kid go to Illinois, one go to Arkansas. Those are the games you're going to? Yeah, those are the games I'm traveling to. T, thank you so much for sharing thank your story. You. I have a gift. Oh, let you, oh no, it's Oklahoma I got and Oklahoma Arkansas. Oklahoma on there together and the flag. <laughs> Hey, a lot of people die for that flag. I really love that flag, and I'll fight for it for the rest of my life, too. So, No, oh, thanks. You're so yeah. good. Oh, are, oh, oh, what, can what? I just say one thing sure. before I go? Yeah. You know that every school that we had a graduate from, we've had a lot of schools graduate from, we come to Flag and Banner to get a get a flag made of those schools. And so in front of a park, there's like 15 different flags of 15 different colleges and universities. And when you walk in, it is so impressive. You know, I haven't been out to park in a you long time. You need to come see all those flags you, that you've created for us. I do need to. When you first built that place, I came out there and I heard you telling this story that you wanted to do that. And I spoke with someone. It wasn't you. And I haven't. And I think my salespeople have been helping you ever since. Thank you they so have. much. It's awesome. Awesome. Listen, I want to thank everybody for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, contact me, Gray, at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting and upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.